Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's from the rookery end, it's Christmas, and we've got to do a positive podcast, it's going to be fun. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Joining me this morning is Jason. Morning, I'm looking forward to doing a very positive podcast, particularly with young Michael Parkin. And that's right, he's here, the Grinch, I mean Michael Parkin. Oh, Jason, young Michael Parkin. I enjoyed that very much. Well, I'm starting to get into that twilight zone where you don't know what day it is. You don't know if you're supposed to be at work, whether you're supposed to be wrapping presents. Uh, that's Christmas. Love it. <laughs> yeah. You, do you do, do it by day or do you do it by uh, date? And I think that yeah, yeah, you, got, you have to try and stick to one method to know whereabouts we are in the calendar. We know actually it's Sunday uh, and we are talking after Watford did not play a game of football at home to Crystal Palace. I did not get, get take my son to his first Premier League game this season uh, and lots of Watford fans have missed out already uh, on a home game, uh, which was which is sad, Michael. You and DCW and Adam on the midweek podcast really talked through the effect of this, this current outbreak we're having uh, in terms of football. But the, the most important thing, I think why we're trying to make this great fun podcast is that lots of Watford fans uh, are missing something this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And while, you know, we, we, we've got Christmas to look forward to and that's a, a wonderful time for, for most people. But yeah, we can't underestimate the, the lack of football and the impact that has on people. You know, we know it's a, a, a big part of people's lives, their daily ritual, certainly on a Saturday. You know, we mentioned we missed the Crystal Palace game yesterday. People perhaps would have been planning to go with family, perhaps bringing people that wouldn't ordinarily come to a game. John, you mentioned Eli was going to come to his first 
first Premier League game. So yeah, let, let's not lose lose sight of the fact that it is we're missing the beautiful game and we're missing getting together to go to Watford, aren't we? So that's what we're going to try and keep everyone a little bit upbeat, aren't we, this, this morning with this podcast? Yeah, the plan is we've got, we've got several things going on. Uh, one, we'll be looking back on the trip to Burnley. Uh, Colin, uh, the voice of Hornet Heaven and uh, our, our good friend on the and co-host on this podcast, uh, he took the trip to Burnley on the coaches and uh, we've got the story of his day. Uh, and it's not what you might think, actually. It's quite a good, fun listen. Uh, we also will be taking a trip to the Watford Big House uh, and find out what goes on on Christmas Day for all the Watford players. And uh, But the main bit, the main bit now, we, it's, it's the end of 2021. Uh, and we just want to have a good old look back on the year. We've got a couple of podcasts before the new year, but let's look back on 2021. And I, I've got a challenge for us all. We want to try and find 21 things that made... This year, 2021, a very Watfordy year. Now, I, 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 I will get out here first. I, I, I have a problem with people using that's a very Watfordy thing to do. Uh, I hate it when people use it on social media when Watford lose in the last minute. It's not a Watfordy thing to do that. That's a very, very football thing to do that many, many clubs have done hundreds of times and do hundreds of times probably uh, in, in every weekend. But this is the thing that make it particularly lovely and Watford. That's the most important thing for this list. Where should we start, Jason? What's the, the most Watfordy thing for this this year? Don't need a countdown. This is just let's try and find twenty one things that made it a Watfordy year. Okay, so I think the most the most Watfordy thing was probably bye bye Cisco, hello Claudio, because come on, it wouldn't be a, a Watfordy year without Watford changing head coach. We wouldn't, um, and I agree with that. Um, but is it weird that it's only one managerial change, uh, Jason? <laughs> yeah, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps it is. Perhaps that's slightly less Watfordy than uh, than normal. But it was a change. I think we uh, we could all see coming, and I think a lot of fans were um, unfortunately by the end were hoping for. The early signs are good, aren't they? The early signs with Claudio are good. It's it's been a, a baptism of fire for uh, for our learned friends, uh, but also we mustn't forget what Cisco achieved during his time with the club. And I'm sure many of the other things that we come up with on the list will be down to Cisco and his team and what they did to uh, get the Horns back in the Premier League. Yeah, the, the promotion has got to be on that list as well, Michael. I think on, on so many levels. It was amazing when we got the promotion in the end after all that work that, that Cisco did with his, his boys. But I think Alfie Jenner got in touch on Twitter when I asked the question. He said the fact that we won promotion and then we lost the very next game, <laughs> which makes a lot of sense. And, and Jason, the Finnish Hornet, he said the fact that we finished second in one of the top two leagues. Finishing second is exactly a Watfordy thing to do in terms of winning promotion. Oh, no, I mean, how many times? How many times? There was the 81-82 <laughs> the season, finishing behind them up the road. We got so close the first time we went up under the Potsos, but ultimately it was second again. And then, of course, I'd, to be fair, I think compared to uh, compared to the last time around, I think finishing second was pr- actually probably an achievement rather than a, a rather frustrating and annoying end to the season. Yeah, I don't know if it's being Watfordy, but it's being very football fanny to sort of focus on the fact that we finished second instead of instead of celebrating the the promotion. Because as as Jay said, I think it's an incredible achievement. To, to bounce back up against the backdrop of everything that was going on around, well, in the world and in the world of Watford, in the world of football. And I don't, I wonder whether we stop and think really enough about how important and how big an achievement that was, that promotion. I think obviously it happened behind closed doors, which makes it very different to, to perhaps previous causes for, for celebration. But it was a monumental effort 
to to get back up and at times we didn't think it was going to happen did we so yeah i think it's it, it's good to as we sort of turn the year to to really sort of reflect on that and to, to celebrate the fact that it's another promotion in and it's another real tentpole in in Watford's history isn't it uh, what about some of the uh, the players how can we do that what about the players mike who who sort of uh, makes it a very watfordy sort of player in 2021 well one of the first things that pops into my head when thinking about players is is Emmanuel Dennis. I mean, we, we sort of lurched forward to the present day a little bit. But I, I remember being at Carrow Road this season. Um, lovely, lovely warm day, shorts and a T-shirt, Watford fans in, in full voice, uh, and Emmanuel Dennis upside down after he after he scored. That wonderful flip. Uh, and, and I think that kind of sums up Watford's season in, well, Watford's year, in as much as it's just been pretty topsy-turvy, haven't they? We've lurched from good stuff to bad stuff, from positive to negative, but pretty much we've managed to keep a smile on our face for, for most of it. So, yeah, that that's a real iconic image and a real iconic moment for me. And it, I think it sums up Watford. It sums up our entire year. And it also sums up Emmanuel Dennis, doesn't it? Playing with a, playing with a smile on his face, bringing a bit of excitement, bringing a bit of joy, which is what Christmas is all about, of course. So I think, um, yeah, a little nod to Emmanuel Dennis and his, his wonderful backflip at Norwich and a special uh, nod to the Norwich fan in the background who was telling Emmanuel Dennis exactly what he thought of him via the uh, accepted means of, uh, what was it, is the, uh, well, one of his fingers was pointing directly upwards, wasn't it? We'll leave it at that, shall we? Yeah, we had a, a tweet there for Christopher Vad. Uh, he said he's been a revelation, an absolute star. Um, but actually, the another one, Gary... Chubby Mead, he got involved. He said that a very Watfordy thing to do is to bring in a bunch of exciting forwards, such as Emmanuel Dennis, but nothing for the defence at all. It's been a big talking point, hasn't it, Jason? And it's uh, it's not going to go away until hopefully well, it might not ever go away. But uh, you, we're hoping it goes away in January. You, you would hope so, wouldn't you? Because it's been a very Watfordy thing for probably the last five years or so, um, in terms of trying to or, or not trying to or. Changing the defence in a very economical fashion, shall we say? Um, <laughs> it's let's focus on the positives here. Let's talk about those bunch of exciting forwards that have come in. And I think uh, alongside that, I think we can also, as well as bringing in the exciting forwards, we can say keeping Sar as well. I think that was quite an achievement in 2021, not to lose um, that particular star of the show. But yeah, seeing. Dennis come in, who we've already spoken about, the exciting potential that's round Cucho, and of course taking Everton's best player, Josh King, off their hands for free. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just reminding them of of, uh, of how good he is as well at, at, um, up at Goodison Park. It's, it's, it is generally exciting. And we've already talked about Ranieri coming in, but the way he's got them playing and the way he's got them attacking, it's quite exciting to watch Watford, even when we're... we're perhaps not performing in games and when we've, we've had we talked about the tough running games we've had against the the bigger boys in the division we 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 blooded their noses a little bit and it was yeah it's nice to see them being a threat in games on a more consistent basis you're not going to get away with talking about without talking about the defense like that jace just skating over it and i think one <laughs> one moment i think that def- perhaps summed up our defensive issues was was away at leicester when Poor old uh, William Trustikong ducked underneath that ball and let let Madison in to, to score when Watford were doing really well. And I guess that sort of speaks to the topsy-turvy nature of Watford's 
year in, in, in 2021 was that Watford were doing really well in the first 15 minutes and then effectively shot ourselves in the foot with that, with that catastrophic mistake. And I think that I don't want to, we don't want to dwell on the negative, but I think we do need to do need to sort of stick a flag in it and say that it has been a, a real issue. And I think that for me um, was, was a real point, a turning point where it's like, oh, right, look, Enough is enough. We really have put up with this for long enough, and we really have to address this this elephant in the room. So that that um, truce ducking underneath that at Leicester was uh, was a moment that stood out for me. But also that same game, the snow, brilliant, amazing fun watching watching football in the snow. Yes, Watford eventually got got hammered in the game. It was four two, but it was a, an absolutely sort of incredible um, humdinger of a game. Anything could have happened. It could have been any score to either side, really. Um, and, and throw in watching uh, watching Watford in the snow, sort of vague concerns about whether trains were going to be running on the way back as you as you watch the snow settle in front of you. Kind of part of what being a football fan's all about. That was uh, so. Whilst it was a there was definite negative, there was lots of fun to be had that day as well. Good fun that. I think we're going to flip all around the the, the season as these twenty one things. We, we, we're trying to hunt down one I had to go back and check actually to see if it was actually this year and it was uh, a certain goal by Jamal Lowe uh, which really summed up the the love and hate uh, for one goalkeeper's YouTube channel uh, his goal of course for Swansea uh, and his little run up to the, the goal cam uh, to, to make himself be known and get a bit of stardom on YouTube uh, he was back on the 2nd of January I wasn't quite sure I knew it was like maybe it was over Christmas I couldn't remember when it, when it was um, those days and nights watching on my computer uh, all blurred together a little bit for me from last season but that that goal and and Ben's positivity and an amazing insight that we get from his YouTube channel plus also the uh, the distractions it's given us uh, you, you couldn't have it uh, one without the other I don't think uh, in a Watfordy YouTube world it's also got to be mentioned Mike when we all got back together at the Vic for the first time uh, against Aston Villa yeah an absolutely rip-roaring afternoon and one that was felt like a very very long time coming I was really really lucky to be at at the Watford games when there was no crowd and you know I cannot tell you how disappointing how different how not right it was not to have the fans there it was just in no way enjoyable it wasn't football that we recognize it wasn't Watford that we recognize it wasn't the Vicarage Road that we recognize so to have Vicarage Road full again for the first game of the Premier League season of course having achieved that promotion um, the atmosphere was absolutely bouncing and then for Watford to deliver with that rip-roaring sort of um, opening three goals against Villa who a fancied Aston Villa was a really really exciting and an enjoyable moment and uh, yeah that's one that will live long in the memory actually it was uh, the, the result was perhaps slightly unexpected but just to see that riot of colour and noise inside Vicarage Road again football was back and it felt like Watford were back at the at the same time a really magic moment that one so I think the Cucho goal summed it up quite nicely on the day Mike obviously the as people started seeing him warming up, people were quite excited to see what talent he had. Um, people were singing his name already and obviously came on, scored the goal within a minute. And yeah, the the, the, the lift in the crowd at that point was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. The noise and the excitement, was, was it was great to be there. Um, of course, it wouldn't be Watfordy without us letting in a couple of late goals to make us bite our fingernails at the end. But um, all oh, is yeah. forgiven. What a, what a great day it was. We nearly drew three all, but let's not let's not let's not uh, <laughs> let's not worry about that. But yeah, some goal wasn't it? And sometimes, sometimes at the Vic, there's just the noise is different. 
a, a goal goes in and the noise is different for for whatever reason. I think that was that was one of them. I think you, you're right, Jace. Everyone was willing Cucho to do well. We'd been waiting to see him for a couple of years, and it was almost almost like the, the you know the release of pent up frustration a from him who's been out on loan and probably not really sure what, where his career is going in terms of his, his next club. Us waiting to see him and us being back in the Premier League, and when he just arced it into the into the top corner, that just the, the place just came a bit unglued, didn't it? It was, it was brilliant. It hit different, I think, is the phrase that the, uh, the kids are using these days. OK, we're a third of the way through. That's seven things we found out of the 21 that we need. Uh, I think there was a lot of contrasting uh, results, and that's a very Watfordy thing to do. There's never mm-hmm. any consistency. I mean, you look across the year, there was a 6-0 way back at the beginning of the year at home to Bristol City, and, of course, the 5-0 uh, at home to Liverpool later on. There were some contrasting results, Mike. Yeah, and, of course, yeah, the, the, the Bristol City one was was really impressive, and I think that, that, that made a statement to the rest of the Championship that Watford weren't going anywhere and were a really, really serious, threatening, dangerous Proposition and yeah, that as it turned out, they 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 got they churned through the rest of their fixtures with with efficiency. So the Liverpool game showed the rest of the Premier League that we were walk over. Then is that what we're saying? <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it kind of felt like that, didn't it? It, did, it was a, it it was did, a really yeah. really disappointing afternoon at, at Vicarage Road. But then, of course, the following week we played Liverpool's Merseyside cousins, Everton, and we got our first ever win at Goodison. Not only was it our first ever win, uh, the first ever team to come from. To, to be behind with, what, uh, was it 12 minutes to go and win by three clear goals? We scored five goals, absolutely demolished Everton on a memorable uh, afternoon at Goodison. It was brilliant and absolute thrill to to be there, still in disbelief, actually. It's one of those you sort of try and you think about it. And it's like, crikey, did that really happen? And it did. Um, and then, of course, we followed that up. Really good opportunity to, to build on it. And we got the confidence flowing. The goals were flowing for Joshua King. Uh, we had the ideal opportunity with Southampton out of form, struggling down the bottom of the table, then coming to the Vicarage Road, uh, the fans full of confidence. Um, and yeah, Watford lost one uh, in a really turgid, disappointing, rubbish performance. So ups and downs, lads. Ups and downs. When will Watford ever be consistent? The other one we saw, the other one uh, contrasting results, Jay Parkins pointed it out. Losing to Luton in the derby match, following up by a absolutely brilliant performance against the champions of the division in the end. So, yeah, that, that, that's been a, a big, big thing. Jason, bit of a saga going on most of the summer, at least three months, if not, it felt like eight. Uh, will Hughes saga... Uh, it was uh, it was a, a big distraction, wasn't it? It was, and all a bit messy and a little bit public and, and not very palatable, really. We probably all agree we're in a situation where we had a player who had been a big part of our immediate promotion back to the Premier League, but had already been a big part of, of Watford um, playing in the Premier League for seasons before. We don't think he wanted to leave. That was what he was saying publicly. I'm pretty sure the club wouldn't have wanted him to leave. We had an agent who Watford fans will know well, working in the background, perhaps agitating for for a move, perhaps looking for for more money for Will. And it just, just felt really uncomfortable and dragged on and on and on to the point where no resolution was found. The You know the Potsos are going to play hardball. They did. They probably got what they felt was uh, in the circumstances the best they could get, the best deal they could get for Watford. And then you end up with uh, losing a player who 
we thought would be a big part of the team this season. Some would have thought could have been a potential captain in the future of Watford FC. And it just left a, a nasty taste in the mouth. And, and whilst we don't really care much for Crystal Palace and, and what they do and what they're up to, I think a lot of people will have been keeping a close eye on his development over there. And up until the last couple of weeks, he he, he hadn't kicked a ball. And again, it, it just turned out it didn't look good for, for either party in the end. Mike, the other one who was meant to replace him, and I really just, you know, that, that was a very Watfordy exit, I think, with Will. We got, you know, the, the Pozzos played hard. They got the deal. They got the money they, they, they think they deserved, um, but not necessarily the, the best way for it to go about. But, of course, the, his, his replacement, or who we thought was replacement, but now is looking like his replacement, uh, Imran Loser. Very Watfordy signing, it feels like. Well, it was felt like a very Watfordy debut, didn't it, John? We were there at the... <laughs> With an increasingly furious Arlo, I should point out, he was he was very disappointed with Watford's showing that day. Take his shirt off. Yeah, I can't support this lot anymore. I want to support Cheshire United. He took his shirt off, but he got he soon got back on the horse and uh, he saw it through to the end. There's quite a good nice photo of actually of him, one of the last people in the ground clapping the team off. So he got over his little uh, his little grumble. Um, But yeah, I think one of the one of the poorest performances in a poor. Watford showing was the aforementioned Imran lose really really difficult game didn't he a, a genuine baptism of fire and he was was hooked at half time I think it was actually such was his sort of uh, the level he was out of his out of his depth but you know much like Will Hughes has taken time to find his feet at Crystal Palace and is unfortunately now looking like a key part of their side you know Imran Luzer has started come to come to the fore for Watford, hasn't he? It takes time for, for players to bed in and it takes time for perhaps head coaches or a new head coach to find the best role for, for new players who are in new environments. And over the past couple of weeks or month, Imran Loser has started to look like he could be a key part in um, in this Watford side as they look to, to keep their head above water. So much so that you know, people were pointing to the lack of Imran Loser as the reason that Watford might have lost the game against Brentford the last time out. So yeah, a really, really bad start to his career, but delightful delighted to to say it looks like it's turning around fairly fairly rapidly can we have less of those games away at brighton in uh, 2022 please uh, lads better performances please thank you uh, jason actually that game at brighton i didn't i didn't realize it for a good couple of weeks but actually that was the last game troy Deeney played in for watford and and we sort of have he has to be you know his his exit and how he exited Watford in in such style in in as as good as it could possibly be, uh, in the circumstances uh, has to be part of this Watfordy twenty twenty one. You know his last goal was a penalty <laughs> against QPR early this 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 year, uh, but a really classy exit. And of course we saw him again uh, at, at halftime with that Chelsea game. Yeah, and it and it is a very Watfordy thing, isn't it? Because Troy is a very unique player. Uh, I don't think anyone else has had a player or a character shall we say like him since we've been doing the podcast certainly the whole thing around Troy um has been a very Watfordy thing and and it was yeah all done in the right way I, I, it left quite a nice feeling that things were worked out so that he could go and play for his his club, his boyhood club uh, in Birmingham City and, and things seem to be going OK there for him. We've seen him, he's bagged a couple of goals there at least. And whilst the the performances last season and, and, and I thought we probably have to look back at how things changed for us when we really started to get going was when Troy was out of the team and he probably would have wanted to have been involved more. Um, I don't think it left any bad feelings 
as far as he's concerned. Like you said, he then came back um, and was on the pitch at, at halftime during the Chelsea game. And that interview, I think a lot of fans actually felt quite emotional sort of seeing him there and the things that he had to say. Um, and what he said about Watford having a, a big place in his heart and will always mean a lot to him. And he and he wouldn't have come back, I don't think, if uh, if, if that wasn't the case. So it was done very well in a classy way. Um, and I think that the, the, the interview, him being back at, at Vicarage Road and what he had to say, I think Watford fans won't forget Troy for a very long time. But Mike, we actually got to know him even more. For a man who talks a lot about himself and, and how he feels and shares his feelings, with his book out this year, um, I know you've read it, I've read it, we got to know a whole different side to him and to connect with him, I definitely felt, uh, a lot more than I imagined I ever could. Yeah, I think it was. I think it's a really interesting, but but more than that, a really important book. And And as Jason said there, I think the way that the transfer happened allowed us to look back over his career and really enjoy and celebrate his career with with Watford and I was I was emotional when it was announced surprise it took me by surprise you know we've been on such a such a, a journey together and of course we've we've been really 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 lucky and as much as we've spent a little bit of time with Troy and we've spoken to him on the podcast he's been very generous with his time with us as he has been with so many other people we're not special in that that regard at all and what it gave me was it felt like I had some sort of connection with with Troy but then reading his book it made me realize that really I didn't know anything about him we we, you, we knew the headlines we knew the sort of key moments but but some of the stuff that was revealed in that book is very very open very very honest and very very important because what I think it shows is we can get tricked into thinking we know someone we can get tricked into being comfortable that we know their backstory and their motivations uh and you know we've it feels like i said it feels like we've been on a journey with troy over the last 10 years but that's really got nothing to do with his his life as before that and the wider issue and i think as sports fans we think we know people and we think we know why they what makes them tick and we think we know what happened and we think we know how they should act when really we don't know that how just how complicated and difficult their their lives are and I think what it did to me it made me sit back and think we do really need to think about how we don't know the true story the real story of all these guys and I thought it was a brave 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 piece of work by Troy entertaining of course as you as you as you'd expect with anything to do with Troy um but yeah really really enlightening and I think it it reminded me to take a beat take a moment uh, and and not be tricked into thinking we know people when when really we don't. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? 
FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. We're over halfway now, guys. We've got 11. Uh, and I suppose we're, we're actually 12. We, we've got to put in the list. But coming up a bit later on, we've got Colin's little feature he recorded on his day to Burnley and back. No football, as we all know. Uh, but it sort of was a, a, it felt like at least out of all the postponements we've had this, this last week with all the COVID outbreaks across all the squads in the Premier League. It, it almost felt like the, the, the Watfordy one was the fact that it was happened so, so late on. But of course, we learned yesterday that the Aston Villa game was also cancelled particularly late uh, but more about that that game coming up um the jason fans reaction is always got to be part of it and i think particularly this year is the fans reaction to the new kit um and and all the kits uh it was was brilliant because it's we've had a good couple of years with with Kel me with with something a little bit different nothing too standard uh, and it was lovely to get some good positive vibes i think did you what were they positive uh, in the summer when the kits were released yeah, I think they were. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Some people won't be too bothered about the kit. Some people get very emotional about it. I, I, I like to think I have a balanced view. <laughs> I'm, I'm always intrigued by, uh, by what um, the kit's going to look like. I, it always reminds me. I'm, I'm going to not slightly off tangent here, but uh, it, it always reminds me. I had a couple of friends who are QPR fans. There was one that used to get very excited about new kits, and one who really couldn't give a flying fig about them. And uh, and the excited one would always, whenever they'd meet, would always say, oh, new kit's out in a, in a, in a few days' time. And the other guy would go, is it going to be blue and white hoops? And that kind of sort of sums it up for me, because you know roughly what it's going to be. It's probably not going to be anything too dramatic unless you've got owners like the Cardiff boys that change theirs from blue to red. So you always know there's going to be um, that sort of element of yellow in the in the uh, in the home kit. Let's be honest that we in recent years, we've uh, the designs have been a, a slightly left field at times with the uh, the halves and the uh, and the stripes, um, something a little bit different. I know there are people out there that absolutely hated that. Um, and DCW for one, I know he's not a big fan of the uh, of, of, of changing from a plain yellow shirt. Um, but I think generally, in the main, the, the the reactions for for this season have been quite positive, and I do like the kit. Um, I think ultimately, what will be remembered is how we perform, and mm-hmm. I think the better, generally, the better we perform, the better the kit will be remembered in future seasons. It's not anything to dislike i think about these kits there's nothing too garish sometimes away kits seem to be an excuse for for teams to go a bit too over the board but i think they're they're, they're quite understated and look quite nice i think one thing might be got put in uh 14th so we're almost now uh we're two-thirds of the way there um what about scott's chat with us in the summer that really continues to show the club's openness um, with talking to the fans and, and communicating with the fans. I know it was just with us, the two of us in a pub, but um, it, it's still getting the, the most important people out there, even if we can't necessarily gather and, uh, and have a proper fans forum. Yeah, I think it shows how you know how lucky we've been as a podcast for, uh, for, for people like Scott to be willing to come on and talk to us. And, you know, he, again, he was, he was quite open and, and honest and effusive and, emotional and enthusiastic and all the things you'd hope from from someone um at the at the um at the helm of a of a football club and you know whenever you speak to to scott it's very hard not to be excited it's very hard not to get swept up in in what he says because 
he says it with such passion and such determination and such evident drive. And I think from from our point of view, that makes it a little bit harder when people suggest that, that their heart isn't in it or they, they're doing things that, that aren't to the aren't to the for, for the positive. Um, they're doing it without Watford at their heart because we know that's not true. We know that they're they're working hard and trying to do everything they possibly can for for Watford. And I think being in a room with him is that that's something you you really pick up on. But what what also it links into what we were almost in a funny sort of way, just talking about the kits and and fans' reactions. And fans will remember, fans will listen, fans will look, and they will react to whatever it is, whether it's something that is relatively. Um, incidental if you like like the kit or whether it's what scott says about the future of the the club and people will react to that and there are things in that interview that we had with with scott over the summer that people are still referring to now and i think i guess that's rewarding for us as a podcast that we put something out there that that people are referring to and people listen to and and remember but it just goes to show that that we as supporters as a as a group do pay attention and take take things incredibly seriously and and Watford is is so important to so many people isn't it but i think the other thing about feeling connected to the club i think that really shines that through for me is the fact that the club announced the return of Elton John to Vicarage Road. It's, you know, he's he's coming back. It's his last world tour. I'm sure he, he's not going to stop doing gigs and stuff. I'm sure he'll have a lovely little residency in Las Vegas. But this is his last tour where he's going to be travelling around a lot. And, of course, he had to come home to Vicarage Road. And we're going to really enjoy that uh, come July next year. Bit of a watford thing also. Top player getting injured. Uh, it happened this year with Ismail Assar. Um, it hasn't felt as as uh, devastating as I first feared, but it's an injury is is a is an important Watfordy Watfordy thing. Uh, I think that we need to put in this list up to sixteen. Now, were there any big games, Jason? Any big game that really stood out for you? Maybe not for uh, for lots of score lines that we've already talked about. Maybe some something with something interesting, spicy going down. Spicy. Well, the, <laughs> if you if you can have something spicy going on, there's there's probably going to be a bit of a background or rivalry behind it, and and we've certainly built up something of a a rivalry with our friends on the south coast uh, uh, in Dorset, Bournemouth, haven't we? In uh, recent years, the the Twitter derby, as some may call it. Um, I hear growling in the background. Um, <laughs> That isn't the mum, is it, Mike? She's not there. <laughs> no, although she'll be bristling already. That'll take us straight out of the Christmas spirit. <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. Parkin. I'll have to mention it. But yeah, that, that Battle of Bournemouth down at Dean Court or whatever they call it these days, back in the uh, the promotion running. What a what a horrible game that was. We're talking about Watfordy things here, but wasn't that such a Bournemouthy performance from them on the day? It was horrible. I I was getting angry. I was shouting at, at the telly watching that one um, and getting told off in the process for, for taking it far too seriously by the family. But it was just, I, it, it's just so frustrating watching them and, and the things that they do to to get under the skins of, of their opponents. And and unfortunately, we bought it as well, didn't we? We we got involved. We let ourselves be got at. But the, te- the really telling thing for me as well was uh, Dan Gosling. Yes. The way he reacted to Jefferson Lerma's antics. He knows exactly what's going on because he's been there and he was straight up and at them and, and having a go at them for their 
theatrics and their behaviour when Lerma was throwing himself around. It was it was horrible to watch. But yeah, we we really really should have kept our heads, and we didn't. We got sucked in by it, and the the goal was a uh, sort of evident of that. We the game got disrupted, didn't it? For uh, for about a minute or so and then when play restarted they went up the other end and scored and it just it just really really horrible feeling at the end of that one but what it did what it did do was get galvanized it didn't it because i remember us talking in the aftermath of the game and everything you described there jace comes flooding back just the absolute impotent fury isn't it as you're as you're sat watching from a hundred miles away watching them roll around and knowing exactly what's happening but those final few moments when when that Watford squad sort of stood shoulder to shoulder in the face of all their nonsense um, felt like although we sort of fell into the trap, although we didn't win the win the game, it felt like we came out of it a different side to the one that went into it because what it showed was that we were in the trenches together. That if if they were going to make mistakes, they were going to make them together, and nothing was going to going to split them up. They and and I felt like. You know, the adrenaline was pumping afterwards. But I remember looking at them, led by Dan Gosling, like you say, thinking, right, these lads are up for it. These lads are in it together. They're standing shoulder to shoulder. They are a team in the truest sense of the word. And I would rather be Watford, despite the fact that we lost that game, than than that lot. And and as it went on to prove, didn't it? We, 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 we got promotion. They didn't. <laughs> we lost the battle, but we won the war. Yes, absolutely. Lots of watershed moments, though, Mike. Um, used that one as a galvanising um, moment. I think that really got them together. But that, that galvanisation uh, started uh, with an away draw. Still can't believe that was a, just a draw. Uh, an away draw at Coventry City. And you'll, you'll take the mick out of me for, for being miserable, um, probably quite rightly so. But I remember being very, very forlorn. After that, after that Coventry game, it was a it was an insipid performance. We didn't look like scoring. Um, was it an early kickoff? Was it a lunchtime kickoff? Yeah, 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 kick-off? lunch, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and often those games are a bit a bit wobbly, aren't they? They don't sort of catch catch fire like like a standard three o'clock kickoff. But that was a, a really sort of blunt performance from from Watford, wasn't it? And I thought, oh, is this team? really capable of getting getting promoted they're almost the exact opposite of of what was talking about with that Bournemouth performance a bit of fire in the belly a bit of togetherness a bit of effort a bit of spark there seemed to be nothing of that against Coventry and then of course in the in the sort of days afterwards it transpired that the Watford players had had recognized that and and whilst he's coming for a lot of justified criticism for for some of his performances this season William Trustee Kong was a um, a catalyst for that, it sounds like. He was one of the, the senior players that got got them together and said, look, come on, lads, we need to work out how this season's going to end. It's it's up to us. What, what you know, Our destiny's in our own hands. Do we want to shape up and move up the, the division and, and out of the championship or do we just want to sort of carry on like this? And luckily, whatever they said, whatever they did, however it manifested itself, it worked, didn't it? So that 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 put that the dampest, the most limpest of performances, actually probably lit the lit the blue touch paper for the rest of the season. And I think we need to give credit to to Truce to Kong and other senior senior players for actually making that that happen. The other moment I really loved this season, this was last season, but this year uh, was uh, sort of showing that team all together. Was Adam Messina's injury time free kick yeah. uh, away at Cardiff? A, it was the first free kick we've scored in eighty five years. But it, it, was, it was that photograph <laughs> that was taken of the team celebrating. 
that really, really showed for me, really showed, not just in terms of a result or a move, just how they were together. Uh, that really helped me sort of, you know, especially where I was after that Coventry game, we weren't going to get promoted after that Coventry game, to, to getting and pushing for that last minute goal and how they were together was, was a very special moment. So it had shades of Bolton away 2015, didn't it? With the, yes. the uh, topsy-turvy last minute winner up there and again, saw everyone celebrating together at the end of the game. Um, a very Watfordy thing to, to launch this year, uh, Mike, uh, was the Women of Watford. Uh, which Kate Lewis has been heading up. We had a great podcast with, with Kate and Kelly talking uh, about what it is like to be a female uh, football fan. Uh, and it was great seeing them out at the Brentford away game. Uh, and there's a video this week they put up uh, of, a, of a diary. But again, a very Watfordy thing for the club to support uh, and to create uh, this, this group, which can only go from strength to strength. Absolutely brilliant. Really, really hard work from, from Kate, um, assisted by the, the club. They recognise that there's an issue for, for, female, for female football fans going to the game and they've acted. It's, it's easy to talk the talk, but again, Watford have, have walked the walk and you have to give a huge amount of, of credit to, to, to Kate and to see that video, to see all that hard work manifest itself in, in a group going to the game and enjoying the game and the feedback being that they felt safer doing it together, able to enjoy the, the trip to the football. I think there's another plan to go to to go to Leicester away in the FA Cup. And there was a, I thought we saw a, a tweet from someone saying, I wouldn't have gone, I wouldn't have been taking my daughter um, to the Leicester away game if it wasn't for, for this initiative. So that for me says it all. There's a, there's a, there's a Watford fan feeling enabled to go to the game because of it. So it, it's it's wonderful. A lot of hard work goes into it and we mustn't mustn't shy away from saying that these things don't just crop up and uh, and start happening. There is admin that has to be done. There's effort that has to be put in um, and, and that's happened. And all credit to, to Kate and she's been supported by, I think Ke- Kelly was, um, was there with the BBC. Um, Kelly Summers was there with the BBC following them as well. So there may well be um, uh, more, more footage that, that arises on, on national TV around that. So just, it's just a fantastic initiative brought to life and wonderful to see. Long may it continue. Well done to everyone involved. OK, we need two more to finish this list off. I make it one 19 at the moment. I think I've got to, we've got to put it in. We've, we've talked about it before already in terms of our, our love of the current defence at, at Watford. And it's for many years of being in the Premier League and not being great. But as Ross Merson says, having the best defence record in championship history, at least equal to, followed by 16 straight games without a clean sheet at the start <laughs> of the Premier League, just epitomises, for him at least, Watfordiness. Jason, it, we're not, it's not going away as we've said already, uh, but let, let's just focus on the, on the good bit. It was amazing how that defence really came together to be such a rock in the championship. It was, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And, and we, we've also talked about sort of the watershed moments early early on where things had to change. But from the from the start under Ivic, we were a very solid team. And obviously we'd come from a, a relegated team from the Premier League, low in confidence. The first target would have been let's build that confidence back up let's stop being a team that loses almost every game let's let's stop that negativity let's stop being a team that's easily or or too easy to beat and we did that we did that early we got that first we became difficult to beat and part of that is having a very solid defense and that solid defense consistently produced 
clean sheets. Obviously, things then needed to change as we progress through the season to, to focus more on the attacking side. But you then have to give credit to the, the defensive side of the game. Actually, we kept our defensive solidity despite trying to be more attacking and trying to win games more than just sort of stop or rather than just being a team that's hard to beat. So yeah, credit where credit's due, but I think it, I mean, it, it, again, it just goes to show the massive gap between championship and Premier League football. The fact that we've then gone up with the same defence effectively, the only addition being a, a late signing of um, Nicholas and Kulu, just because he was, he was available. We obviously didn't, progress as we would like to have done in the in the in the transfer window with our centre-backs and it's been a tough tough ask to get that defence to perform in the same way that they have done in the championship in the championship you're going to get away with a few things and we could see issues perhaps around certain players with goals that we did concede in a championship you could see the things were happening or mistakes were being made and you know you're not going to get away with those as much in the Premier League because there are world-class strikers that you are up against and you are going to concede goals when you make mistakes and that has transpired um, and what's happened as time has gone on players then get nervous and I think you'll see certainly the, the last game we played the Brentford game there were nerves in that game Claudio Ranieri said it himself and you end up making mistakes and and mistakes that cost us points at, at this level big up to the boys for what was as you said the best defensive record in championship history but we do need to change things if uh, if things are going to get better in the premier league mike we need one more we're up to 20 things 20 things that define a watfordy 2021 what shall be our final thing in this list the 21st thing well there's something there's something mike parkney about the uh, about this thing that i think should be be last, and it goes back to what Scott said in in a summer in a in a chat in the summer. He talked about Watford delivering moments for us as supporters, delivering memories for us as supporters. And I think the win against Manchester United, the comprehensive thumping uh, of Manchester United, Ronaldo et al. was was one of those, wasn't it? And of course, I wasn't there to to witness it, which made it all the more enjoyable for you lot. Um, but it's it, it was it was unexpected, really, wasn't it? Yes, Manchester United were were struggling a little bit, but it's still Manchester United, and we're still Watford. Um, and I think the fact that we were able to deliver such a sort of thumping win, another little memory, another little one for people, for families, for kids, parents, grandparents, to say I was there the afternoon that we stuck four past past Man United is. I think it, that is the most Watfordy thing, and the thing that fills me with such joy about this balmy football club is that we know that they've always got those tucked away in their, their pockets somewhere. We never know when they're going to pull it out and share, show it. And they never know when we're going to share it with us. They never know when they're going to deliver it. But we know that there is always one around the corner, and I don't think we should ever ever take that for granted. And we must. We need to enjoy every single one when they when they do crop up. Um, but yeah, Watford, they're just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And and these moments, we've got to enjoy them, enjoy them together, and, and cherish them. You see, you you see when the sort of predictable and inevitable results against the big teams happen, that you you get these throwaway comments. Oh, it's more fun in the Championship because anyone can beat anyone, and the Premier League, it's all about the money. Blah blah blah. 
and you sort of sometimes you, you you get that feeling that people are kind of saying they'd rather be in the championship than be in the Premier League but it's these sort of results are exactly why we want to be in the Premier League we we do get to see better players playing for our club when we're playing Premier League football and when they produce performances like that there's not much better or not much a better feeling than uh, than watching those games looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. A Watford FC podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is from the rookery end. That's it. We have done it. We have made a list of 21 things that made 2021 a very Watfordy year in football. Are we going to get any more football this year? We, we are still not 100% sure. Uh, yesterday in the Premier League, there was due to be six games, uh, but we only got one. Uh, as we know, Watford's game against Crystal Palace was one of those games called off. At the moment, as we record at 11 o'clock on Sunday, only one game is being postponed due to a COVID outbreak within squads. There might be three games of football. We're just not sure at the moment. Um, Mike, there's a piece Adam put out today. Really lovely. Breaks down everything for for what's been going on and how things are happening and, and, and what's the... The current state of play uh, with the Watford uh, squad and, and their current outbreak. Yeah, and it, I mean, what it shows is just the sort of logistical um, issues that that Watford Football Club and every other football club are having to take, you know, just the, the fact that they had to all of a sudden arrange different transport for different players on the way back from from Burnley and then they, the, the training ground being closed for a, for a clean. Uh, Watford players having to come to the car park to test because they obviously couldn't go into the training ground because it's shut, having to give them special time slots so there's not a, a log jam and the sort of return to Zoom training to try and keep everyone fit. I mean, I think what it does do is, is, is reading it through, it reminds you that it's not just a case of players isolating and then after 10 days getting back to, to normal straight away. There's so many different moving parts that, that football clubs have to consider and players, of course, themselves. How do they keep fit during the 10 days? How does Claudio Ranieri work on tactics when he can't be with the, with the team? And yeah, the piece just really sort of sums up how difficult and how tricky this, this this period is for Watford and, of course, every other football club uh, out there at the moment. It's a tough one, but, yeah, it's, it's a nice piece because, as you say, John, it, it, it sort of talks through the um, the stages and, and, and what's happening and what needs to happen for us to get to back to some sort of normality and, uh, and, and to see some football again. Uh, yeah, if you want to read that, of course, you can go to The Athletic. Uh, and if you haven't subscribed, you can go to theathletic.com forward slash rookeryend, uh, where you get a special discount because you're a podcast listener. Uh, and uh, you can take up, a, I think it's a third, up, third off, 33%, uh, which you might like to take for yourself, or even a present for someone who's quite difficult to buy for at this time of year. Still got time to do that and not have to leave your house. But of course, what's it like for the footballers to have a Christmas? We know that they have to train often on Christmas Day and, and travel away ready for the game on Boxing Day. But we, we thought we'd try and find out what it was like for the Watford players when they have to gather and spend Christmas Day together. And we find out what happened in a Watford carol. It was Christmas morning in an undisclosed Hertfordshire location when the Watford squad were hunkered down together in their festive 
football bubble. The day dawned bright and crisp, with the early morning peace abruptly shattered by the sound of a slamming door. A wide-eyed Ben Foster sprinted down the stairs, hoping to catch a glimpse of a departing Santa Claus, his face crumpling with disappointment when he instead saw Yuri Kuchka returning from a pre-sunrise training run. Foster was about to ask the steely Slovakian why he was up so early, when the returning runner threw a couple of freshly caught pheasant on the table, pointing at his prey and muttering, Dinner, before heading up to his room. Shout me when Toy Story is on, said Kuchka as he disappeared up the stairs. Wide awake now, Foster could not resist opening one of his presents. He squealed with delight as he unwrapped a brand new telescopic selfie stick. He attached his GoPro, switched it on, and set about waking the rest of the squad live on YouTube. One by one, the weary hornets arose, each wearing matching pajamas, supplied as a surprise by Cucho Hernandez the night before. The Colombian would remain in his all day, determined to enjoy the festivities. While he luxuriated in front of the TV, shouts of Ale, Ale, Ale could be heard, seemingly coming from everywhere. All soon became clear, with Musa Sissoko bursting from the kitchen to the living room and back again, delivering food and drink for the entire squad, shuttling back and forth with seemingly limitless energy, ensuring everyone's cup was kept at least half full. After an unfortunate series of events that saw William Trooster Kong firstly drop the turkey, Rob Elliot caught it after just one bounce, and then forget to put the oven on, cooking responsibilities were quickly handed over to Francisco Siralta and Nicholas Nkulu, the day settled into a wonderful rhythm. Imran Loser was at his metronomic best, keeping the pace of the presence at an enjoyable rate, effortlessly passing the gifts over short and long distances, getting markedly better and more confident with the handing out of each parcel, with Tom and Musa stepping in should he look like being overwhelmed. Most players were happy to share details of their presence, but a notable exception was Christian Capacelli. He didn't reveal what he had received, but judging by the broad grin that broke out across his face, it's fair to say that local man was pleased. The same couldn't be said for Dan Gosling, however, who after receiving a bottle of cherry brandy from Jeremy and Gakia, gave the mischievous fullback a clip round the ear. Danny Rose and Adam Messina also FaceTimed for a few minutes at this stage, calling in remotely, having both been left back at the training ground. Kiko sat contented in the corner, singing Feliz Navidad to himself as he methodically cut holes in all of his new socks. Craig Cathcart grinned and muttered something about, This is how you do it, lads, before putting on his DVD of Northern Ireland nil, Italy nil. All of a sudden, there was a huge crash, and a stray football landed in the living room. A startled Claudio Ranieri looked up from tinkering with the table settings to see a sheepish Ken Semmer sitting outside. Ken, said the boss, how many times have I told you not to practice with your right foot near the windows? Ismail Assar, Peter Etebo, and Quado Bar 
finished their lengthy game of operation and cleared the dining room table, allowing dinner to be served. Daniel Backman did the honours but almost came a cropper, nearly slipping on a marble while serving the sprouts. Ashley Fletcher looked embarrassed. He had got marble run for Christmas, and questions were now being asked about why marbles were being dropped in front of Emmanuel Dennis, Chao Pedro and Cucho Hernandez. Didn't he know they might slip and injure themselves? Dinner was a great success, apart from having to use a bedsheet as a tablecloth. This was subsequently ruined by the spilling of several glasses of red wine. Alas, there was to be no Christmas miracle and no clean sheet. As the day wore on, Tom cleverly ensured the squad sat down for the Queen's speech. Ozan Tufan failed to convince anyone that Turkish delight doesn't taste like soap, and Joshua King went round removing the paper crowns from everyone's heads as he was the only king in the building. One present remained. Tugino, read the label. The quiet Italian accepted his gift and unwrapped it. He looked at the present, smiled, tucked it under his arm, and left with a nod and a wink. It was a version of the classic board game, Guess Who? But this appeared to be an updated version. A closer examination revealed two additional words, Guess Who? Defender's Edition. As Gino left, the clock struck twelve and the day was done. There was a moment of silence before the players' eyes all met, and a simultaneous roar of horns filled the air. The squad were drifting off to sleep when there was the sound of a door slamming. Some of the younger players looked worried. Don't worry, said Ben Foster. That's Yuri Kuchka, heading out to catch our breakfast. And Christmas Day was done. Uh, we, we had no game uh, this week, but Colin did make a trip up to Burnley, and he went on the coach. Uh, we, we we scoffed and, and, and laughed a little bit at the fact that he was taking the coach, not for for any bad reason about going on a coach, uh, but the fact that it, it's a long journey. It's a tiresome journey to go there and back. On a train or a car, it takes a long time. On a coach, it can take a little bit longer. So Colin said he would send us a diary about what his day was like, and of course, that day didn't end up including a game of football. So this is Colin's trip up to Burnley on Wednesday. Good morning, everybody. It's a Wednesday morning and the Orns are playing Burnley in Burnley. And I am going to go to the game. <laughs> Moment of madness. I decided that I was going to go to Burnley. I tried to convince my daughter to come, but she's going to France and she's getting a, a plane at six o'clock tomorrow morning. I said, well, you'll be back in time for that. <laughs> so I'm uh, in my car. I'm about to leave home. Uh, the coach, the club coach, which is the um, preferred method of transport to and from the game today, uh, leaves uh, the ground, leaves Vicarage Road Stadium at 11.30. So I'm meeting up with some uh, some friends for breakfast going to go to Charlie's Cafe, which is on Vicarage Road. It's a proper Watford day out, this. Not expecting to get home until mm, three in the morning, something like that. All this for 90 minutes of football. Why, you may ask, why? And uh, certainly I've been asking myself that, but I'm actually looking forward to it, particularly as it is such a big game for us. And if we can secure the three points, it will be one of those I was there sort of moments. So I'm looking forward to that. 
I used to use the coach a lot when I was a teenager because obviously I didn't could, didn't drive and some of those trains, uh, the football express, those sorts of things <laughs> weren't really weren't really for thirteen and fourteen year old boys. And so I used to use the coach a lot. And my mum used to drop me off uh, at uh, Vicarage Road and then she'd be there to pick me up. And so I have uh, quite fun memories of going to Nottingham Forest and all sorts of places on, on, the, on the club coach. Well, I haven't done it for a while. I did it, uh, was it last season? Yeah, we were on the way to Tranmere for the replay. It got cancelled, so we turned around. So I was only on the coach for about an hour. But this time I'm going to be on the coach uh, for uh, a long time, many, many hours but also it's going to be interesting because the, the football coaches that the clubs put on and our club put on are a lifeline for so many people who couldn't possibly afford to take the train or drive or, you know, whether they've got cars. or So it, it provides an absolutely essential service for fans who want to go to these, you know, far-flung away games. And I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to chat away to a few people on the coach and, and uh, see if I can dredge up some memories, looking forward to um, to sitting on a coach with uh, lots of Watford fans, chatting to them and uh, getting to Burnley at about probably 5.30, something like that. Uh, so we're about an hour and three quarters into this journey now and uh, I'm sitting in the second row because I'm a, I'm a goody two-shoes. We're just on the M6 toll road. We're about to pull over uh, in about 15 minutes for a break. But just in front of me um, is my good friend, Philip Williams, who uh, is known to this podcast uh, and to pretty much every single Watford fan that uh, goes to games. Uh, Phil, what's your official uh, title? Today I'm a coach steward. He's the coach steward. He's in charge, basically. Um, we've had a speech from him, a very, very strict speech about uh, our behaviour, wearing masks, no alcohol on the coach. We've got two very nice drivers, and it's, so far it's been a very easy journey. Phil, how long have you been doing this coaching? Since Sunderland away in 2015. So how many trips is that, do you reckon? <laughs> lots and lots. I, I would imagine over 100 is pretty much every game since then. They're a bit of a lifeline, really, aren't they, for lots of fans? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's three of us that normally do it, Harry, Frank and myself. Uh, we each have norm- normally I'm on Coach One, which some of you Twitter followers might uh, see as the happy bus. And I'm the coach steward for the happy bus usually. Today I'm on Coach Two. They look like a nice bunch today, but a totally different crew to the, to the happy bus, which you tend to get the same faces and we all know each other and you build up that camaraderie and we all look out for each other. And it, it's a great thing going to away games with, if you like, 50 of your friends, which is what it is. Yeah, and also, of course, the, it's such good value compared uh, these days to go on the train or even driving yourself. And for s- people who haven't got uh, cars, or you know, just, just it just it makes it uh, affordable for lots and lots of fans to go to away games that perhaps um, it wouldn't be the case if, if it wasn't for for these club coaches. No, it's it's very sustainable as well. It's 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 the green way of doing things. You've got 50, 50 people on the coach. Uh, which is 50 people out of cars. So it's a green way of doing it, and it's a tenner, £10 return to Burnley. You couldn't do it, could you? <laughs> you couldn't do it. And I have to say to anyone who's thinking about possibly uh, going to away games using this method, I can highly recommend it. Very comfortable, warm coach. Um, very uh, safe way of getting uh, to, to the ground. And also, as you say, I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah, it is, a, it is, a, it is an eco-friendly way of, um, of moving people around because, as you say, 50 people on a coach as opposed to what would be, what, I don't know, 12, 15 cars on the road. Excellent stuff. You're looking after us very well, Phil, so thank you very much. And uh, are you looking forward to the game? 
<laughs> looking forward to Watford against Burnley. It's not often we can say we're looking forward to that one, but we have seen some results there in the past, haven't we? We've seen some atrocious football up there on a Monday or Tuesday night, uh, but then we've come away with 3-1 wins as well. So let's see what it brings today. Uh, but we're lucky on the coast today. The club have provided us with uh, a raffle. We've got a raffle for a football free of charge. It's just entry is free of charge. Assigned football on all of the coaches. They've provided mince pies and chocolates and a quiz. So we've got we've got quite a th- good thing going on tonight. And I think we've got a very positive mental attitude. Excellent. Thanks very much, Phil. Uh, we're still on the M6 toll road. We're approaching our stop. And sitting next to me is someone who I've got to know uh, pretty well over the last few years. A chap by the name of Dom Jemson, uh, who's, uh, who goes by the moniker of Gentleman Dom. Very, very nice chap. He's got two sons who uh, also come to games but aren't with us today, obviously, because they've got to work. Uh, recently retired Dom, now is free to go to pretty much any away game he likes. Dom, how are you enjoying the experience of being on the coach? It's wonderful. Um, I'm glad we left so early, just to make sure we didn't get here late. And is this something that you've done before, getting on the coach to go to away games, or do you normally get there under your own steam? Sometimes. It varies, really, yeah. I would would do it sometimes. It's quite convenient and um, cheaper. But, um, yeah, normally I prefer car or train, to be honest. Yeah, because what time are are we... Are we hoping to get back to Vicarage Road this evening? I reckon about... Probably about half three, although someone said the motorway's closed, so maybe four. Oh, my gosh. What have we done? Things to be excited about today, Dom. What, uh, obviously, uh, the game. Now, the raffle, The more, more importantly, the raffle. What num- Do you know what number you've got? Oh, I don't know. I haven't looked yet. It's in my bag. So I've, I've, I've been given... We were ha- well, we, I mean, it's all a total fix, because uh, Phil has handed out the raffle ticket, so he obviously knows which one's the winner. But um, I got... He's shaking his head. I got um, number 81, so I was quite pleased with that, obviously, because of 1881, so I feel quite lucky. Uh, there's a rustling, and, uh, and Dom has got... Um, 119. 119. That looks like a winner to me, Dom, and we can take home uh, a signed uh, Watford, a signed Watford football. Um, apparently, Trista Kong wasn't able to sign it because he missed. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> he tripped up on the way to the signing. Um, oh, that's a bit mean. Sorry, Trist, if you're listening. So, Dom, looking forward to the day. Uh, it is a bit of a. It does make the day a lot longer, obviously, but it's quite comfortable on here, isn't it? And uh, we've got our we've got our other friends, Barry and Lad, who are both asleep over there. Um, uh, so it does make it a, a kind of uh, what's the word? There is a sort of camaraderie and. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I think so. It's, it's, at the end of the day, it's a day out and. Uh, not working, so why not? Yeah, and how's the retirement going? Uh, it's all right, it's all right. It's good times, time's flown, really. So, yeah, part one of my retirement objectives is to get to every single away game this year, so it's a good, good way to start. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Dom. We are now at the uh, service station. I'm here with Watford legend Don Fraser, who is a wheelchair user and obviously, um, I, pre- I presume, relies quite heavily on the, on the coaches, the club coaches, to get to away games. How are you, Don? I'm very well, thank you. Very well indeed. And you're enjoying today's trip so far? Absolutely, no problem. Yeah, <laughs> enjoying it. And presumably also, you're often on the same coach with the same people every t- uh, you know, for each of the away games. So you must build up a kind of sort of family atmosphere on the coach. Is that right? Yeah, more often than not. I mean, it's like everything else. You, know, you might not know even the people's names, but you know the faces. It's like when you sit in the rookery and that. And there's people you don't, you don't even know. You just nod to them, perhaps. And... Uh, you know, you don't know what they do, where they come from, whatever, but you, you just know that you see them about. Yeah, yeah. Year and, and, year. And, and at home games, are you in the lower Graham Taylor stand? I'm Is that in right? the lower GT now, yeah. I used to sit in the rookery for years. I used to get carried up 
and sit on the um, uh, end seat. The club knew I was there, and if anything happened, um, I would have been the first out. So, um, although technically they weren't supposed to do it, they knew it was it was okay. But after I, um, I broke my hip coming back from Portsmouth a few years ago, um, it's easier for me to sit in the lower GT. And do you get a decent view from there? It's not too bad, is it? You're it's right at one bad. end. You're right at one end. I'm right? right by the rookery, so I get to have a conversation with the um, reserve official, I think they call him now, <laughs> uh, which can be quite interesting, yeah. yeah. I try to be restrained for at least the first 10 seconds of the match. <laughs> yeah, we know that you're quite a vociferous uh, supporter. We can hear you, actually, where I sit uh, down the bottom at the rookery. We can quite often hear you shouting uh, when things are not going well. Are you looking forward to the game today? Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to them all. Uh, sounds a bit corny, but I do. Um, and are you, are you, um, are you still uh, a Ranieri believer? I know there are certain people who are oh, starting absolutely, to absolutely, have... absolutely. We've got the best... I think we've got the best owners in the division. You know, I, I don't even know where they get the players that we've got half the time. But to be honest, with very, very few exceptions, if somebody's running around wearing our colours, I will support them. Yeah, no, me too, definitely. And, and Claudio is, has, got, has got us going. We just need to uh, turn some of our performances into absolutely. points. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't know which Watford is going to turn up from week to week but that's all part of the the beauty but this this season as long as we finish above the bottom three which I I believe sincerely that we will in fact I'm I will go so far as to think being mid-table obscurity which will be absolutely fine but finish above the bottom three will be fine things uh, aren't going our way at the moment and with the African Nations come, Cup coming up assuming I have that that could prove to be a bit of a problem yeah, there was talk today actually in the papers that that might get cancelled, which would be, which would work quite well for us, mm. wouldn't it? I think it's looking likely that it will get cancelled, but if it isn't, I'm sure I'm sure that the posos will uh, will see us through it. I feel optimistic like you. I'm glad to uh, to, to meet a Watford fan, especially one as uh, esteemed and long-standing as you, Don. Uh, feeling feeling you. feeling optimistic um, about the season because there's a lot of doom and gloom around if you if you go on social media are you one of these fans that doesn't you don't mind really which division we're in or do you prefer the premier league or if we go down end up in the championship you're just as, just as happy to be honest as long as we've got a football club uh, and as long as that grey hornet in the sky says that i can be down here watching them i will be and that sounds corny and all the rest of it i know but i I'm, God, I'm glad we are in the Premiership. Purely from the uh, um, travelling point of view, the Premiership is better in as much as there's not so many midweek games and what have you. Uh, but um, as long as we've got a football club, I will do whatever I can to, to turn up and shout them. Well, that, those are very wise words, Don. The evening's taken a slightly strange turn. We've arrived up here outside Turf Moor, it's five o'clock, we've just gone five o'clock and the rumour started to circulate straight away that the game was going to be postponed due to Covid and that has now been confirmed. <laughs> so um, I'm just grabbing some food from the local chippy and the coaches are going to leave in half an hour and we're going to go all the way back to Watford. Hurrah! <laughs> um, what a shame that uh, players were tested apparently this morning. The club wasn't able to make an announcement a bit earlier than this but uh, I suppose they were hoping for you know one or two tests positive tests maybe they got seven or eight and uh, they've had to call the game off you know 
it's it, it's one of those things that happens. It happened to me on the way to Tranmere, funnily enough. So I think I might have stopped taking the coach to away games because I think I might be the uh, the, uh, the curse. But um, in the end, you know, it's not so terrible. We'll get home a lot earlier, that's for sure. Uh, but it's a bit it's a bit of a shame to come all this way and not actually see the team play. More of that later, I'm sure. <laughs> so we're now back on the coach. It is uh, 17:52, and we are about to leave Burnley. The North Lanks ground, Turf Moor, the cricket club, Jimmy Anderson. And made our way back down south to Hertfordshire. But we didn't lose. But we didn't lose. Dom, you're right. We didn't lose. We kept a clean sheet. And when Chris Cole wasn't on the pitch. It's effectively a nil all draw. We've got a souvenir scarf from Dave Messenger. And I was their scarf, as it's now being called. We've tried to buy programmes, but um, we haven't been able to do that. We've had some food. We've had a beer, and we're back on our lovely warm coach, heading down the M6. So I've, uh, I've got back to Watford. I'm sitting in my car, about to drive home. It's 20 past 11. We pretty much turned around straight away and drove back, and, and uh, it was actually a really jolly day in the end. Coming back was a bit jollier than going for some reason. I think um, partly because we hadn't lost, and maybe uh, just the sort of... The exclusivity of being at uh, an event like that where you you go, not many are going, then the game's called off and it kind of brings everyone together, which is really the theme of this uh, little diary of mine because what I've learned today from going on the coach is, uh, well, two things. Firstly, it's essential, obviously, but the two things I've learned is, one, the coaches create a kind of family atmosphere you get the same people on the same coaches for away games. You get the same steward on that coach. You get the same drivers. And uh, everyone's so delighted to see each other. It may be the only time that they spend together. They're not necessarily all like best mates or anything. But they spend time together, sing a few songs, have a bit of a laugh. And the other thing, of course, is something we've talked about on the podcast a lot in recent times when we talked about the, uh, the women of Watford and we talked about the Proud Hornets. Football's for everyone. And the coaches really make that possible for all sorts of different people. The elderly, perhaps, who uh, are not as mobile, can't really get the train or drive to these far-flung places. For people who haven't got an enormous amount of disposable income, the coach is a, is a really, really, uh, is really good value, £10 return. And also for people like the legend that is Don Fraser, who is, you know, a wheelchair user, differently able people who would find it very hard to get to away games, which is, you know, to indulge their passion in their club and in the sport that they love by travelling to these places, supporting uh, the team that they love. And the coaches really facilitate that. And so the coaches are part of this overriding uh, desire and idea and belief that football should be for everyone so I had a really good day out of course we didn't have a match we didn't lose and we kept a kind of virtual clean sheet I suppose but <laughs> but I had a really uh, jolly time uh, I won some mince pies in the raffle yeah thank you very much we sang songs we chatted there was a lot of bonhomie on the coach and even when we got to Burnley and discovered the game was off, there was no one was really moaning or complaining or getting angry. It's part and parcel of going to watch your team home and away. These things happen from time to time. Everyone just had a pint, 
at the cricket club, got back on the coaches and came home. So it's been a really interesting day. I've met some really lovely people and uh, I can see that the coaches are such an important part of people's match day experience, um, bringing a lot of warmth into people's lives and enabling them to go to games that they otherwise wouldn't be able to go to. So, yes, football is for everyone. Come on, you Orns. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns. Thank you to Colin uh, for his diary there, for his trip up to Burnley and back. Sands football, uh, of course. Uh, and thank you to everyone who got involved. Everyone on the, uh, the happy bus, or the happy bus for that day. Phil uh, and everyone on bus number two. Of course, also thank you very much, Colin, uh, for his reading of our comedy Christmas Day for the Watford players. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you and yours. And to you. Uh, and uh, Merry Christmas to Michael. Yes, Merry Christmas, everybody, and to everybody listening. And of course, yeah, just look after each other. We know it's uh, these are strange times. Stay safe, be kind, look after each other. And hopefully this bumper edition of From the Weekend will keep some... We'll keep you entertained for some of those hours you might find yourself stuck inside. Uh, we're back with a podcast after the West Ham game, fingers crossed, uh, to, to have a look at what happened at uh, Molyneux on Boxing Day, as well as what happened at home to West Ham. In fact, hopefully we'll be speaking to DCW's mum, a lady who's lived round the corner from Vicarage Road for many, many years, but yet never been to a game until this year. We'll be back with more from the Rookie End this year, but of course, more and more in 2022. Come on, you all! The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.